0: All right, kids, how many of you like to travel? You like to travel? I love to travel. You like to go to the park? Uh, Oh, my goodness. Are there any, like, woolly mammoths in the woods or anything that might come out and get you? Oh, okay. Oh. Are you talking about me or the woolly mammoths? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for clarifying that. All right. So, hey, I, just before we get started, kids, uh, our parents, uh, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, uh, let's give the kids a hand. They have been so incredible this last three weeks. So, kids, hang on, because at the very end, we've got something very special for you. We're going to ask you to come forward and... And stand on these rugs here and sing with the band, all right? So you get a chance to sing with the band, be a rock star. And so mom and dad, you want to get your phones out so you can film this, right? So back to travel. Uh, Last week, I was in Nairobi, Kenya. So long way away, Africa. Four years ago, on this day, I was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, climbing is a, a euphemism for a, a, a long hike, all right? I mean, I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was just like, you know, just walking up the mountain. But it was 19,000 feet, so uh, the air is rare at 19,000 feet. And it's really cold, even though it's in Africa. Um, but I would love to travel. So one of the first things when I'm traveling, I have to ask myself all the time is, Where's your passport, right? Where's your passport? Any any of you kids have a passport? Here's mine. You can come up and look at it afterwards, you know? And it's got all kinds of fun stuff in it. Um, I I have a five-year visa to Kenya, all right? I go there every year, co-sponsor a conference there. I got this five-year visa, and I had to go to an office in Kenya to get them to put the five-year visa in my passport. I'd love for you to come look at it. It's just someone with a felt-tip pen writing the numbers that were on the hand-printed thing. And that literally gets me into Kenya every time I go. When we take a journey um, in life, we, we need some type of passport. We have to verify our identity. Who are you? Can you tell me who you are? Your name, your address, your phone number maybe, where you were born... All those kinds of things are important, to your identity. Well, the same thing's true in the spiritual journey. Because we, we start out with one identity. All humanity starts out with one, one identity, and that is that we're a creature made in the Creator's image. We're, we're formed in his image. We're like the God who made us. So we can think and we can act, we can feel, uh, we we can communicate with one another. Uh, we, we have a, a need, because of the dignity, because of the who we are, what God has created, this sense of being treated with respect by one another. And when we're not treated with respect, it hurts. We feel injured. We feel pain. But Jesus comes along and gives us an opportunity to change our identity. In John one twelve, Jesus is. Is talking to his followers. And he says this. He says, To as many as began to trust in what I say, he said, To them, I will give the authority to be in my family, to be my children. In a sense, Jesus is suggesting that if you start trusting in what he says, then you get a new passport. You get a new identity. You become a child of God, a child of Jesus the King. You become a child of the Creator. And so in a sense, we change our identity from being just a creature before God our Creator to being a child before our Heavenly Father. And that's vitally important before we go on a journey is understanding what is your true identity. And so the first question I want to leave you this morning is that, what is your true identity? Identity. Because it becomes valuable, important, significant, really, really important. Because along the journey, things don't always go like we plan. So, getting your identity right is really important. Who am I? Uh, do I have this sense that I'm not just a creature before a creator, but I'm a child before a father in heaven? That starts when we began to trust what Jesus says. Not just believe in him. You know, we believe in a lot of things, don't we? Like, for instance, I, some of you believe the royals are going to be good again, right? So, so, <laughs> no? Yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> so there's a sense of, it's not just belief, but there's a difference between belief and trust, Right? Kids, you know what it's like to trust. You know, to trust an adult. My little granddaughter, London, stood on this stage this morning. Haven't seen her in probably two or three weeks. And she launched herself off the stage toward me. I had no idea what she was doing other than trusting that I would catch her. And at the last minute, I went, and I, I grabbed her. She, she trusted that I would do something In her favor. See, that's what it means when we exchange our identity. We get a new passport and we become a child of the Father in heaven, the creator. We begin to trust what he says. We move believing that it's true. We act as if it's true. But it doesn't always go well for us, does it? Life is tough. Life is really tough sometimes. Now, kids, I know some of you know this, but but some of you don't. Being an adult is hard. I don't know when you look at at your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your aunts and uncles, and, and it looks like life is easy for them. Take this by faith. It's not. It is hard being an adult. Life doesn't always go your way. And so... One of the things, Jesus comes along and suggests to us that by trusting, by acting as if it's true, that we find him in the middle of our troubles. One of Jesus' followers, his name was Paul, he he wrote this. uh, And instead of reading it out of my Bible, I'm going to read it out of my phone, if you don't mind. All right? So there's a... A translation uh, or a, a version of the Bible called the message and it's in really plain language and if you don't have a Bible I would encourage you to think about you know picking up a, a message Bible uh, or even a children's Bible Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, by entering through trust into what God has always wanted for us, that is, moving from being a creature, creator, to being a father-child. We are set, he set us right with him. He makes us fit for him. We We have it all together with God because of Master Jesus. Not because of us. We're not all together, but Jesus is. He says, and that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us, we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. You know, there's always this kind of thing inside of all of us to find this place of peace, this, fi- this, this place where it, life feels right. Like in this moment right here, Life feels right. That's what peace is, is that sense of centeredness. Like, life is the way it's always meant to be. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing and shouting our praise. He says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise, even when we're hemmed in with our troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. And how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy, that's kind of like trust, acting as if it's true. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours Into our lives through his spirit. Christ arrives right on time to make it happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, but we can't understand, can understand how someone so good and so noble could inspire such selfless sacrifice to die for us when we didn't deserve it. But God demonstrates his love on, our, on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. It's the kind of love that God has for us. It's the kind of thing that when we make that move from from creature, creator to father, child, all of a sudden we realize someone's in our favor, someone's in our court, someone's on our side, always on our side. So in the midst of trouble, when life doesn't go our way, oftentimes we think we're all alone. And the fact is, is we never open up the door or the opportunity We never open our eyes to see that maybe, just maybe, God is standing right there beside us. That Jesus is in our midst. And he never promised us that life would be all good and all fun. But he did promise us that those kinds of troubles that come our way could make us a better person. That he would work with us. In the midst of those struggles, to be someone we could not be without those struggles and him together taking us to a whole new person we never thought we could be. You see, when you go on a spiritual journey, there's a couple of things that happen. In fact, I, I, I think on any journey, you know, this last journey when I went to To Kenya I showed up at the airport and I flew on an airline that requires you to have your credit card available when you check in and for some reason even though I had used that card to buy my ticket I paid them a lot of money I'm at the counter they have my ticket in their computer they could not verify this little piece of plastic I had in my hand and it took them 45 minutes to do that I was in the the priority line. I fly enough to have this stat. I'm in the priority line. I'm in the priority line, and everybody that doesn't have priority has already gone. They're already at their gate. They're already drinking their coffee. They're eating their almond croissants. You know, they're already doing what I want to do. But I'm standing in line, frustrated, because even with all the status I supposedly have, I couldn't get through the very first thing. You see, sometimes life is like that. Life doesn't work. And as a result of life not working, we can choose one of two things. Dr. Seuss has this line that it, 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 it's kind of funny to me that a guy could write something, could be so popular, I'm not sure how much money he made off his writings, but he has, you know, you have a head full of brains and shoes full of feet. That's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, think about it for a moment. That's no doubt. A head full of brains and shoes full of feet. But, but one of the things he's trying to say there is, is something that happens when we encounter Jesus. And that is we become agents, not victims. You know, right after that, he says, you can point those wherever you want to go. Kids, how many times, uh, how how many of you have brothers and sisters? Kids, brothers and sisters? All right, now let me ask you a really important question. How many of you have perfect brothers and sisters? Let's see your hands. Perfect brothers and sisters. No, oh, 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 you got perfect brothers and sisters down here? All right, all right, good. No, very few people have perfect, right? -uh, Nuh-uh, nuh-uh, okay. Nobody, you know, have, have you ever had this moment when you your brother or your sister does something to you that makes you mad maybe they take something from you maybe they physically you know punch you or or say something that hurts you really bad and and you go you know you, you go to your parent your your grandparents or you know and you say look so and so made me mad right they made me mad And the fact is, is that when you when you use those words, you give up your agency. No one can make you mad. Imagine this, kids: no one can make you mad. You choose to get mad when people do things to you. You see, we are agents, and when we take up our agency, when we realize I'm not a victim. I have the right to choose, I have the freedom to choose. Your actions toward me, your words toward me, whatever you say, whatever you do, I have the ability to choose how to react to those kinds of things. And when we move along in life, and life doesn't go our way, oftentimes Satan, the god of this world, wants us to think that we're a victim. Poor me. People just do things to me. And and, and, and it's like, I don't have a choice. But that's not true. You see, when your identity is in the family of God, you have a choice. You can choose to return good for evil. Your brother or sister hits you, you can choose not to hit back. You, You can choose not to say things back To people you you can choose to return good to evil that's taking a hold of what it means to be an agent in this world but as we move along in life as we find ourselves you know struggling to get through this life can be exciting life can be full of of the kinds of, of rich experiences that not only Bring joy, sometimes bring sadness, bring community, bring a feeling of love from adults around us, from our friends, our classmates, but also bring a true sense of fulfillment in life. So as we go great places, as life is a journey, we have some some truths that belong in that journey, some Some things that help us understand that uh, we're not alone. That as we change our identity from being just a creature and a creator relationship to a father-child relationship, we we discover that we have a rich pool of resources to choose from. One of those is found in Romans chapter 8. And it's this... uh, it is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Um, sometimes uh, when we do a music banquet here and the, the music team gets together, um, they, they have videos of the services and they make fun of me. So they, they capture all of the things I've said, appropriate, inappropriate, and stuff. And, and I have to say I've been pretty appropriate for you kids, right? Right? yeah (laughs) Uh, so but but one of the things they do is is they make fun of the fact that some of my favorite passages in the Bible I don't read I quote so it could appear at the end of the Bible and yet my Bible as they point out on the video is open to the front of my Bible and I look like I'm reading it and I'm not I actually have it memorized I think there are passages, there are these verses in the Bible that are really important to memorize, to not have to look up, grab your phone and that kind of stuff, but actually have in your memory banks so you can recall those at any moment because it's one of the ways that I find myself in the midst of struggles, being able to see Jesus with me in the midst of those struggles. I'm reminded of passages like this. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will we not also give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? Those who are now his children, not just his creatures, but his children. Who will bring any charge against them? Is it God who justifies? Who then can condemn? I mean, Who who can say that you're not right, you're not okay, that you're wrong? No one can because God has already made you right. No one, Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to the dead, is at the right hand of the Father and is praying for you. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Let me read that again. Who can separate us from the love of God? And and Paul then sort of starts into a rap. I bet you didn't know there were raps in the Bible. But, But there's a rap right here. He says, shall trouble or hardships or persecutions or famine, nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I think about, I have a big sword at home. Big, broad sword. You know what a broad sword is? You know, it's like that huge, big sword you swing. And sometimes my wife gets it out. <laughs> because she she reads all of these uh, these juvenile novel things where they, all these feminine Warrioresses are, are wielding swords and bows and arrows and stuff, and, and she gets it out and she thinks, wow, she likes that broad, big, huge sword. And Paul is saying that, that even though, you know, e- even though uh, someone attempts to use, use that against us, God is there. He says, now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor powers, nor principalities, nor things future, or things present. Nothing in the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that we have in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter where where you find yourself in the midst of trouble, in the midst of, of, of joy. The fact is, is that if you open the door, you open your eyes... You open your mind to the fact that God is right there present with you as a child of the King. Father, thank you uh, for these, uh, the life that sits in front of me here. Uh, you have given us uh, the opportunity to, to have arrows in our quiver to aim them. I just pray for the moms and dads, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas out here that are raising kids, that you would give them uh, just a, a, a sense of vision for the incredible power that they have in these kids lives the opportunity to invest in an understanding of what it's like to live not just as a creature before a creator but to live as a child before a father in heaven father we pray these things in jesus name amen